Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Wednesday night edition of the Fight Network Sports Conversation. I'm Don Henderson. Roy Cummings is in Tampa, Florida, ready to talk about what's happening in Tampa. And, of course, Roger Henry, as always, is in Atlanta, Georgia, with the champions are playing uh, 
big-time baseball right now, as well as we get ready for the National Football League season. At the controls, and our executive producer, as always, is Frank Carroll. And Frank has a little bit of an announcement for a show later in the week I know he wants to touch on. So let me get it right over to Frank Carroll first. Thanks, Don. Uh, yeah, we have another program on Saturday nights. It's, it's strictly boxing. Uh, it's called Fighting Words. Um, and what we have on there is uh, some very talented uh, staff. But added to our staff as of this week is a young man who uh, is a retired boxer. He's won five uh, championships belts. He is a, he is a co-owner of Golden Boy Productions uh, with Oscar De La Hoya, and that's uh, my good friend uh, Bernard uh, Hopkins. So Bernard will be joining us uh, every week. Uh, he'll have his fighters on, so if, if anyone is available on uh, Saturday evenings at 7.30 to 8.30, uh, please listen. Uh, we also want to thank all our listeners out there uh, we had we have, have surpassed 386,000 worldwide listeners. That's an uptick of over 26,000 listeners this year. And we we everybody at the station here appreciates each and every one of you, and, and thank you very much for listening. Um, it's the, the hard work of this this group here that uh, keeps this station going. So uh, I wanted to thank them. But uh, and the last thing is. Now, this weekend is a very important weekend. Uh, we're going to honor the people that labor so hard each and every day to try and keep everybody going and everybody happy. Uh, please don't destroy it by going out and drinking and driving. I, I can tell you that uh, this weekend there will be roving uh, patrols out with extra men on, on duty, men and women on duty, just for DUIs. So please. It's a $10,000 call, no matter how you do it, 3000 or 4000 for your lawyer, 1000 for the, the court, and the rest is the money that you're going to lose because it's $60 a month to uh, probation for six months. And if, and then you have to take a driver's uh, school, and uh, besides that, you have to uh, take a test at the end to see if you're, you're eligible to drive to get your, test back, your license back. So don't lose your license for six months. BPOs are very hard to come by anymore, business purposes only. So please, we want each and every one of you to have a very safe and uh, happy holiday. We thank you very much for all that you do to, to keep everybody going. And uh, we uh, hope, to slip, hope to have you back here again next week. Uh, Frank, thank you very much. You keep it all together, and uh, we appreciate that. Let's go to Roy Cummings in Tampa right off the bat. Uh, the exhibition season is over. The countdown of elimination of players to 53 has also been completed yesterday. Uh, Roy Cummings, uh, two things. First of all, an update on your quarterback, Tom Brady. Did anybody ever find out where he went? And number two, were you surprised by the cutback? And what do you think of the series and a little bit that he played in the final exhibition game? Yeah, uh, well, I'll start with, uh, we'll go through the Brady stuff, because there weren't a lot of surprises with the cuts. Um, I think the biggest surprise in Tampa was that Tyler Johnson, a wide receiver who's who's been of some help to this team over the last couple of years, uh, was let go. But they're very deep at the position, um, and this is a guy who does not uh, really bring much, in fact, he brings nothing uh, in terms of special teams. So uh, he was let go, picked up by Houston. Um, the Bucks could end up feeling the pinch on that one. I mean, 
you know, let's face it, Julio Jones has dealt with some injuries. Mike Evans seems to deal with injuries every year at some point, usually a hamstring problem. He'll miss a game or two here and there possibly because of that. Uh, he already has missed some time in, in training camp. And, you know, Chris Godwin's not back yet. So a guy like Tyler Johnson could prove uh, quite valuable to this team going forward. Um, but uh, he's in Houston now, so we'll see where it goes. But that was really the biggest surprise uh, in terms of cuts with the Bucks. Uh, certainly there were surprises elsewhere. Sony Michelle getting let go, and, you know, he's been picked up as well. A few, uh, couple there in, in Philadelphia as well. But uh, Tom Brady, no, uh, we still don't know where he was. We still don't really know what he was doing. Um, I'm not sure we ever will. Uh, something, something tells me that at some point somebody will find out. But uh, uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, he, he was gone for, for 11 days. The Bucks passed it off as if it meant nothing. Um you know, for one series, uh, you know, against, um, you know, Tennessee last week, he, he looked uh, – well, in Tennessee, um, again, yeah, you know, he looked all right. You know, he looked fine, and we'll see how he looks, uh, you know, coming up in uh, in 10 days. And, uh, you know, I, I have no reason to believe that he's going to be – you know, he's going to look any worse for the wear for missing 10 days of training camp. It's just still kind of odd that a guy like Tom Brady, who's – so committed to the team and so committed to, uh, the, you know, the practice uh, format and, and scheduling and that kind of thing, uh, you know, would, would skip this, this time at this, uh, at this time of uh, that much time at this time of the year. It just seems very odd to me. Um, you know, the, the big question with the Bucks is still, you know, can they protect Tom Brady? You know, for all we know, uh, you know, this may have been him saying, hey, I'm going to take 11 days while uh, you know, to a, to a completely avoid getting hurt. Uh, so I'm ready for the regular season because I don't really need this time anyway. And, you know, who knows? Somebody might come, some rookie might come through the line and uh, get a little aggressive and certainly don't need to do that in the preseason games. He wasn't going to play anyway. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. But um, still, no, no, no idea where Tom Brady was. And at this point, I don't think anybody really cares because he looks, you know, solid. And as long as he does, there won't be any questions. But, uh, you know, if he at any point – looks as though he uh, he's rusty, well, then obviously the questions will change. Roger, I know we're going to talk uh, the Georgia Bulldogs as well as the Falcons, uh, as well as what's happening in, in uh, the Atlanta area. Uh, so rather than go to the Atlanta Braves right off the bat, uh, some of your thoughts about the Falcons quickly. We won't spend too much time on that until we get our second segment. Yeah, because uh, Fred Kalilba with, with will be with us and one thing uh don we did want to mention real quick lee thomas was 86 former uh, phillies general manager architect of the 93 uh, uh nl nl champions and unfortunately passed away uh, you did a lot of work with him and we wanted to mention that um absolutely he, uh, lee think- was a, a great guy and a general manager of the philadelphia phillies and he and i worked together for so many years, and then, of course, later saw him uh, even more uh, down here in Baltimore when he was assistant general manager for the Baltimore Orioles until a few years ago when the administration changed there. But a great baseball guy, came from St. Louis to Philadelphia, uh, built the team in Philadelphia to a championship, as Roger said, in 1993. And uh, so we certainly want to pass our best wishes on to his family. Uh, Lee was just a great, great guy. Go ahead, Roger. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, Roy, a, cu- a couple of surprises uh, that the uh, Eagles made. Uh, they got uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson uh, in a a deal that I think is a steal for them, for the Eagles, 
uh, with the Saints. And how about Ian Book uh, being uh, let go? And the Eagles signed him as their third quarterback. I mean, uh, what is there like uh, a, 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 train, a train that goes from New Orleans to Philadelphia? <laughs> what it seems yeah, like. there very well may be. You know, what happens <laughs> this time of year uh, is, is, is oftentimes, and in both of these cases, uh, certainly in book, I think, what you get is you have a, a, a group, a coaching staff, more than likely, or a general manager possibly, um, who really like that player coming out of the draft for whatever reason. Um, and it's a guy that, you know, they say, hey, all of a sudden he's available. It's like, you know what, I, I still don't see, I don't see any reason why, you know, I don't see anything different about the guy than, than I did three years ago or, or five years ago or a year ago. And uh, you go out and get those guys, and that kind of movement happens a lot. Uh, guys suddenly become available, and teams that really liked him uh, in his draft year just didn't have a chance to get him uh, decide, hey, that, that's a guy that we can, uh, we, you know, we believe we can uh, – get some development out of and, uh, and might be able to help us in some way. Um, so that's a lot of it. Uh, the other thing is, you know, you're kind of plugging holes. Uh, where do you, you know, if you can feel, if you feel that you can do better or you, have, you can bring in a guy who does something, one thing a little bit better. It's one of the things that the Patriots have always been very good at this time of year is uh, kind of dispatching guys who, who, who don't quite fit what they need, or they, maybe they've got two or three of those guys already. Uh, and they can they can let this guy go even though he's got a decent name because what they need is a a player who's a little bit better of a run stopper or a little bit better of a a third down pass rusher or a third down uh, nickelback kind of guy um, and that's usually what happens this time of year because uh, most of us can go through whatever the team it is that you know if we follow them closely enough you can usually pick out the top fifty guys you know before training camp even starts and. Uh, and be pretty close. But uh, the last two or three uh, usually comes down to, you know, what can somebody do on special teams? Uh, you know, is there an opening somewhere? Uh, third quarterbacks, you know, are kind of sometimes are practice squad guys uh, as well. So, uh, you know, it, again, they're interesting moves, but oftentimes it's just a matter of a, a coaching staff or somebody within the organization liking a guy that they didn't have a chance to have on their team once before and they want to take, take advantage of the opportunity. Roger, you and I talked earlier today, uh, the New York Mets, the Atlanta Braves, and the Philadelphia Phillies all took it on the chin last night, so there was no uh, changes in the uh, American League East as far as uh, the records are concerned, the differential between the teams going into the month of September. Uh, Your thoughts, first of all, about the Braves? Are you still looking for them to overtake the Mets? Well, I I think that they have a a good opportunity. They're playing the Rockies uh, tonight. The the Mets are playing the Dodgers. uh, No score in the uh, top of the third with uh, DeGrom pitching. And uh, I I think they do. But I think that uh, probably even uh, if they uh, tie them up, I think it'll – the uh, the Mets uh, will probably – even if they win by one one game, I mean, they won. So – We'll just have to wait and see. It should be a great September if all uh, goes like uh, we expect. Roy, we talk about that and everybody's eyes on uh, what's happening with the Rays down there because they keep jumping from maybe two games back, three games back, to right back in the hunt for the playoffs in the wild card. How about the Rays? Yeah, you know, fairly solid as a wild card team right now, even though that's, uh, that's quite a race as well. You know, you got about six teams there vying for that, for those three spots. 
Um, but the, but suddenly the Rays only seven game. I say only seven with a month to play. That's a lot. But still, uh, they you know they've cut some some of the you know some of the ground between uh, them and the Yankees. Um, you know the Yankees have obviously hit a bit of a slump uh, of late. Um, so you know anything is possible. Uh, can you know can the Braves catch the catch the Mets? Sure they can. Can the Rays catch the Yankees? Not likely, but uh, you never know. Let's let's see where we are three weeks from now. Uh, if they're suddenly within, uh, you know, two games, well, something could happen. So uh, everybody's going to go through a slump. Um, you know, it's possible the Mets could hit one uh, at some point. They're, they're, they've got some tough teams on the schedule here coming up. So uh, teams obviously are going to be looked to play in spoilers. So it gets, you're right. It's going to be a really interesting and a, and a, real, a, lot of, a lot of fun in this uh, month of September because even though the races aren't as tight in most of the divisions, uh, that extra wild card spot makes it interesting and uh, just the fact that uh, teams like the Rays and the Braves are in striking distance uh, makes it interesting as well. And, of course, you got the AL Central where uh, that's pretty much still up for grabs. I, I don't think the White Absolutely. Sox can get there. But uh, certainly Cleveland and Minnesota are uh, kind of jockeying back and forth for position. The amazing thing is, and we haven't talked about this too much, is that how far out San Diego is uh, from the Dodgers. It's just all the all that they've done. Um, you know, it's amazing how, you know, they, they bring in uh, Juan Soto and it, it really doesn't make a difference. They bring in Josh Hader and he just has, what, three or four of the worst games he's ever had. He's got like a 16-something ERA since he went to San Diego. Uh, things have just kind of really backfired there and, uh, you know, losing Tatis for the season hurts him. It's, um, it's been really interesting what's happened in San Diego because that's a team that I think a lot of people thought at the beginning of the year, that's, that's a playoff game for sure. And they, you know, still get there as a wild card. But boy, oh boy, they—what they, a surprise for what, what kind of season they've had. Well, what a surprise too. The Yankees had such an outstanding first half of the season, have died since the All Star break, came back last night, but it dropped 18 of uh, 30 games following the uh, the All Star break and uh, trying to get themselves back in the right position, and also losing to players to injury, which hasn't helped at all, and. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens there. And right now it's a, a, a real nice fight between Atlanta and the Mets. And as you said, they're playing right now uh, in New York. They, uh, a good game last night, 4-3. Four to three. Uh, the Braves won it. Roger? Well, the, uh, they, it is. It, it is going to be a dog fight. And, uh, but I think like you and I talked about earlier when you uh, – you know, the Phillies – uh, they've lost three in a row, and uh, Monday night was just a disgrace. But uh, only time will tell. Uh, I, the, the Philadelphia fans are uh, hoping that this is not a, a repeat of, for the, as has been the case in the last several years, of the uh, September uh, swoon. And uh, right now the Braves are up there playing at Truist Park. They're up over Colorado 2 nothing. So uh, that's a good, but not a big crowd out there tonight. Uh, you know, Roy, um, I did want to uh, bring up uh, something else uh, because, uh, and we'll talk to Fred about it, the Falcons uh, open up against the Saints. And um, what, if, what if you think, of, uh, how do you think the Saints are going to do this year, uh, you know, with Sean gone and, and uh, uh, you know, the changes and everything? 
Yeah, it's really uh, an interesting dynamic uh, there for sure. That's uh, to me, it's one of the more interesting teams to watch because I think I think the talent is there for that team to you know actually win the division. I think I think they're capable of doing it. But one thing that's going to have to happen, and uh, just I'll speak from experience on this, is they are going to have to find a way to to get leads and hold them. Um, if Jameis Winston is behind, uh, he will take chances. Uh, most of them will be, you know, chances he shouldn't take. He'll try to do things and, and force plays, and, and that's when he gets into trouble. You know, when he's playing with a lead, he, he can be absolutely dynamic. And because he takes chances, he often brings his team back. Um, but, uh, you know, what happened in Tampa with Jameis Winston was that uh, he was often playing from too far behind, didn't have a running game behind him. Uh, and then his defense couldn't hold on to leads late in the fourth quarter, even after he brought him back. Uh, I don't think he'll have those problems in, in New Orleans. I think he'll have a decent running attack, running attack to balance things out, and I think he's got a defense that can hold on to leads. So um, I think this is. I think they're a nine, you know, nine to ten win team uh, potentially. Uh, I don't think they go much past ten, uh, maybe eleven, but. Uh, things are going to have to go right for them to do that, but they are in a division that, that favors them. I mean, I don't, I don't know that they can – if they split with Tampa, they're probably going to be happy. But, you know, they should be able to take a couple from Atlanta. They should be able to take a couple from uh, uh, Carolina. And, um, you know, the schedule is uh, – you know, the rest of the schedule, you see how it works out. Uh, you know, the way it looks now, it, it could look a lot different come, uh, you know, come November. So, um, you know, I think they're capable. I think they're one of the more interesting teams to watch. Uh, just because, uh, again, Jameis Winston getting a shot to be the starting quarterback. No Sean Payton. No Drew Brees. You know, let's see where it goes. Just a sidebar before we jump back, uh, Roger. Uh, we never talked tennis on the program, but uh, Serena's playing tonight. Played on Monday night and got away with a win, in the, uh, which not many people thought she was going to sneak in and get into this, at least the second round. Uh, but she's uh, trailing right now 4-3, another 23,000 sellout. At the stadium in New York, she's trailing 4-3 right now going into uh, game number eight and serving. So I'll just give you an update on that. Roger, going back to you again, and we're going to talk a little bit about college football, in the next, as I said, in the next segment uh, but, uh, with Fred. But at the same time, let's talk a little bit about college football because it opens up uh, tomorrow night. Roger? Tomorrow night at the Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium. And it'll be the Ducks of Oregon taking on the dogs of uh, the national champion University of Georgia. And I think, uh, and I think we all agree that that's a great match uh, for the uh, Chick-fil-A kickoff uh, in Atlantic. Of course, one of the reasons is the College Football Hall of Fame is right there so they can do a lot of uh, things like they had the uh, SEC uh, media week uh, was there and uh, just a, a spectacular place. Uh, but what's your assessment, Roy, about uh, this opening game and uh, maybe about uh, what the SEC looks like to you? Well, yeah, I, I love it uh, as an opener because, uh, you know, again, uh, as you said, a great matchup between Georgia and, you know, obviously one of the dominant teams in college football right now in Oregon, which uh, a lot of people believe can and, uh, you know, I mean, let's face it, that's, again, potentially one of the more dominant teams, certainly from out west, and uh, always a good team to watch. And, you know, Florida's got uh, a similar matchup, uh, not quite as uh, much of a marquee because Florida's not in the top 25 right now. Some people have them at 25 or 
close to it, but uh, they're playing Utah on the opening uh, Saturday of the weekend, so or opening Saturday of the season. So, um, you know, that's another interesting matchup, uh, an SEC team against a team from out west, and uh, Utah ranks seventh. So uh, I like the, the Georgia-Oregon game. I think it's a great test for Georgia right off the bat. Florida's got a good test right off the bat. So does Utah, so does Oregon. Um, I think we're in for a, you know, typically – one thing college football has been able to do is they've they've uh, they've really come up with some really good uh, opening weekend games uh, that, that uh, draw everybody's attention. Uh, you know, uh, you get to a point. You know, usually most teams want to start off with uh, with something. You know, what basically kind of constitutes a win, especially the major programs. They'll play some directional school from some small state. You know, with Tennessee or Louisiana or Car- you know something like that. Um, but more often uh, than not now, we, we get uh, the first weekend uh, at least, uh, for usually the first couple, you get some really good matchups. Uh, and then it tends to be, a, you know, sometimes it gets a little bit dull in uh, October, but November it certainly uh, picks up, no doubt about it. So uh, anxious to see it get all get started. Well, a lot of the big schools making changes, uh, obviously a, a big plus. Uh, Lincoln Roddy going from uh, Oklahoma out to uh, USC, they expect him to have a great year turnaround out there, maybe even win the, the the Big 12 out there when it's all over because he took his quarterback from Oklahoma right out there with him. But there are a host of others uh, that are going to be big uh, big turnarounds as well. It's going to be interesting to see what Kelly can do at LSU. I was talking to Roger about this this afternoon. Uh, they gave him a lot of accolades at North Carolina and talked about how well he had done there over 10 years, and he did. Uh, but he always had the benefit of his schedule. And he went 4-11 and against teams either in the playoffs or, that were, or were rated much higher than he was during the course of the season. They're not going to accept that at LSU. So, Roger, uh, uh, some of these <laughs> coaches are making moves, but they better start to win. <laughs> hey, listen, you're making a big move when you go into the SEC. And I don't know if any of us can predict uh, in the next couple of years what we're going to see with these uh, super conferences and players uh, getting uh, salaries. And just like you said, Don, uh, the move uh, from uh, Oklahoma to uh, uh, to USC, the quarterback. Listen, coach goes; he, he takes his uh, cast with him. Uh, what can I? Well, you get that one option to make the transfer without losing any time, and of course, everybody's yeah. taking everybody that, that seems to want to move is taking advantage of it. Hey, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, most people are taking advantage of it, but there's still a couple of schools out there that are kind of going about it the old school way. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, as Roger mentioned, there's a lot of changes in just the, you know, just the, just the way college football, I mean, obviously the, the bigger conferences, uh, what, what's going to happen, you know, players being paid, the transfer portal. Um, the, the whole really landscape of college football is, is changing. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that affects teams. You know, can teams, you know, as a result of the transfer portal in particular, you know, can they suddenly go from being just, you know, uh, you know, wannabes to, to you know, potentially uh, a playoff ca- caliber team. So we got to wait and see how it works out. But um, those teams that uh, have not embraced the, uh, the transfer portal and, and some of those things, it's going to be interesting to see how they measure up now against teams and because most of the ones that are taking advantage are teams that have kind of been, you know, left on the wayside a little bit. You know, they're not they're not the powers necessarily, but they're taking advantage of what they can do uh, to get players that uh, that make them better. 
And the other thing is that Miami has brought back uh, one of their uh, more illustrious uh, alumni uh, to be the head coach there, and they have just not been in the picture really as far as a dominant team for almost 50 years now. And, of course, they're trying to make a move right there with Mario and see if he can uh, do things that other coaches haven't been able to do. Yeah, not only that, but, I mean, and Miami is just kind of reminiscent of the entire state. Let's face it, I mean, you know, Florida's not in the top 25. Florida State's nowhere near it. Miami's not, you know, it's it's a down period for the university, for the whole state of Florida in college football. When's the last time you could say that uh, neither Florida, Florida State, nor Miami was uh, really considered a, a national championship contender uh, at the beginning of the year? Usually one of those teams, you know, throughout the course of the last 30, 40 years of college football, one of those teams is usually in that conversation um, or has been. But uh, right now they're not. So uh, Florida, not quite uh, not quite the uh, hotbed for college football that it has been in the past. Maybe a little, a little bit of it is because, you know, well, obviously players are going to other places. Georgia's taken a lot. Alabama's taken a lot of them. But uh, growing programs like uh, UCF and USF, um, have obviously hurt uh, schools like Florida, Florida State, Miami, and uh, they're going to have to work to get uh, to get better. Roger? Yeah, uh, hold on. I'm going to get uh, Fred Tolio right now, okay? Okay. Maybe you'd like to hang on for a few seconds, Roy, and uh, have a question or two for Fred Tolio as well. And, and uh, you mentioned it. Uh, I say the same thing there. They've been trying to get the University of Texas. I, I keep looking at what they're going to do and who the recruits are and how they're going to do it. They've got a lot of uh, optimism right now at the University of Texas, but they have really struggled. And what you just pointed out in Florida, their biggest problem has been they've lost the best players in the Texas area as well, going out to other places. Uh, or else going to Texas A&M or going to Arkansas or whatever. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see whether they can keep the home talent and also whether they take the last of the Manning quarterbacks and make them as great as the other two were. Yeah, definitely want to see how that shakes out as well. Um, anxious to see uh, how he looks. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's, you know, as always, college football, just there's always <laughs> just a, uh, so many interesting, uh, you know, storylines to follow throughout the course of the season, no matter who you, who you root for. Uh, it's always fun. So looking forward for that. Hey, Roy, i got a question for you. What do you think about this weekend's game with Notre Dame and Ohio State? Well, again, it's just another example of a great matchup uh, to, start the, to start the season. Um, whoever loses that game is automatically, you know, uh, down a little bit in, the, in, the, in what, what they mm-hmm. believe is a quest for a national title. I mean, both of those teams mm-hmm. believe they should be uh, in, in the conversation for uh, the playoffs. And, uh, and obviously as a national championship contender and uh, one loss, uh, we've seen it before. That could really affect the way you uh, – uh, your chances of, of getting to the, to, to the playoffs. So uh, it's, it's really uh, uh, a very important game for both of them. Um, but you know what? I love the fact that uh, they're going up against each other again. It's, it's a great weekend to start the season, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's certainly a very tough – Frank, step for the new coach to come in, taking over for Kelly. And uh, now, you know, he's got great experience and got a great calling card. But, boy, oh, boy, to pick the first game out of your hat and have to take on Ohio State, that's that's pretty darn tough. 
Yeah, yep. exactly. It's probably not what they expected, but you know, a lot of these, a lot of these games are, you know, these these uh, these battles like this are are uh, negotiated, you know, six seven years in advance, if not more. And you know, when you change coaches, sometimes they inherit oh, yeah. a uh, schedule that they wouldn't necessarily uh, want for themselves, but it's 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 what they're stuck with. Yeah. Well, that's another comment, Frank. No, I, I'm just going to say. Uh, uh, no, the, the one thing, go ahead. The one thing that uh, I noticed when the uh, he decided to start against a, a team like that is he went with uh, the green jerseys, which was the first, if you remember, was the first of the uh, uh, of a, a coach that only lasted a year. Uh, so I hope uh, going back to the green jersey does a lot better than. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Roy, listen, have a great week, okay? All right. Thanks, Hopefully, you guys. I appreciate we'll it. Uh, take care, and we hope the green jerseys won't be a factor. <laughs> you, you never know. <laughs> hey, with this is uh, our good friend Fred Khalil, uh, the uh, sports director, CBS 46 in Atlanta. And uh, Don Henderson, Frank, Carol, and I are happy, as always, Fred, to talk to you. And I guess tomorrow night you're going to be attending a pretty big game in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yeah, it's going to be a huge game. I mean, what a way to kick off the season, huh? I mean, there's there's all kinds of things going on here in Atlanta. And, of course, oh, yeah, big game. I'm sorry, tomorrow. Today is Wednesday, right? So tomorrow is Thursday. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 That's, hey, listen, that's the way the like calendar that. usually runs, Fred. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, I just want to be sure because I, the big stuff, really, I mean, you're talking college football, so there's a big one Saturday and a big one Monday, of course, in college football over there at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But, yeah, yeah, tomorrow should be a big night. It's going to be interesting to watch. I'm interested to see what, uh, how they work out things and how, uh, how the personnel shakes out. What do you think, Roger? Well, you know, it, it will be. I Don and I talked about this earlier, Fred. I think the dogs are just uh, going to be right up there uh, challenging uh, for the national championship, at least in the playoffs, okay, and uh, and the SEC. But, you know, Alabama is supposedly uh, number one. I guess Ohio State's preseason number two. Uh, but I just think it is a great way to get the college football season underway and you're you're right there in the shadows of the College Football Hall of Fame, and and you know the Chick-fil-A, the Peach Bowl, have always done a great job. So well, they've always continue. done a great job. Oregon, you know, I'm interested to see Oregon. Of course, Dan Lanning, the old defensive coordinator for uh, Georgia, now coaching the University of Oregon. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how he comes at Kirby because he knows, you know, he knows what they want to run and how they want to run it on both sides of the ball. So I mean, that's going to be interesting to see how that that happens. But I think Georgia is able to handle them personally. That's just my I was going to ask you that exact question because yeah. uh, Oregon, during the course of the season, uh, over the last two or maybe even three years, uh, has been rated very, very highly and very questionable as to whether they should be in the Final Four, whether they should be in the playoffs, where they actually stand. And boy, he's putting his foot in, uh, in some hot water to start off like this when they have such big expectations for Oregon to win. You know, well, I don't know if he's got much of a choice. You know, I mean, I think that the, you know, the networks and the the bowl games and everybody they make up these matchups, so right. now you don't get to play, you know, three or four patches before you go play your conference schedule. You're playing a big time opponent, made for TV showcase, and right. you know, and so you got to find out what you got early on. You know, and 
really, I mean, it, it's good for the for either team because I think if Oregon loses, I don't think they they fall, you know, to the bottom. But I mean, they're going to fall, and it'll be tough for them to get back into the playoff. But I don't think they fall to the very bottom. I don't think they're they're out of everything if they lose. It right. Depends on how they lose, you know. Well, that's right. Point, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just. I agree. Go with ahead, Roger. How they lose, okay? Yeah. If they lose, how they lose. You know, we wanted to talk about the uh, Falcons and uh, uh, training camps over. Their first game is uh, a week from Sunday against the Saints. And I mentioned earlier, uh, the Saints, uh, They, I thought that they gave away, uh, you know, the Chauncey uh, Gardner. Uh, Williams, I, I think it, uh, the, uh, the Eagles got him uh, for, uh, I thought, a song and a dance. And uh, and then the, the uh, kid that was the uh, Notre Dame that had been at Notre Dame that was their uh, backup quarterback with the Saints and started that game uh, uh, last last year for them. Uh, book. I mean the uh, the Eagles got him. I mean, what do you think about the uh, number one? I wonder, what do you think about the Saints? But mainly, what do you think about that matchup? How is Mariota? Uh, during training camp, and uh, do you think he'll uh, be able to uh, do a good job for the Falcons? I think so. I, mean, I think he knows Arthur Smith's offense. You know, I mean, that's you know, I mean, that's crazy. That's why Arthur Smith, you know, was able to cut the cord with Matt Ryan. I mean, is Marcus Mariota, in my opinion, as good as Matt Ryan? No, I don't think so at all. Right. But I he agree. knows Arthur Smith's system, and he can run Arthur Smith's offense, and he can make it happen. And look, you know, the Falcons are in a rebuild. I don't care what they tell you. I don't care what they say. You know, they're, they're rebuilding this thing, and, and they're hoping to make it, you know, sooner rather than later. But you know, there's a lot of work to do. So, you know, I think that's that's where it goes. Marcus Mariota knows Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith knows Marcus Mariota, you know, and they're able to, to work together and try to piece something together for this season. Well, he signed a two-year contract, right, Fred? Right. Yeah. And so do you think that they will be drafting a uh, the uh, the next quarterback in this uh, next draft? You know, well, they like Desmond Ritter. I think Desmond, it depends on Desmond Ritter. I mean, they really like him. They think they stole oh, him in the third round. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and think about this. You go back, you remember a guy named Chris Chandler, right? He was, a, you know, he led the Falcons to the Super Bowl. That's right. And, you know, he was a third-round pick. You know, and he went to the Colts and – and, uh, you know, worked his way back in, third-round pick out of Washington, and came down with the Falcons and, you know, Dan Reeves. They were able to put something together and, and made a nice run. You know, I think that that's the type of – I don't want to say it's the type of quarterback because they're not similar, but that's the type of situation that they have with Desmond Ritter, you know. Maybe one of the Right, just today, uh, sidebar, but, we've uh, I've just been updating during the course of the program. Uh, right now, uh, Serena Williams is uh, – is tied at 5-5. They got a 5-5 tie. She had a chance to win the set at 5-4. Did not do so. Went 5-5. So now it's 30-30 in uh, game number one after the 5-5. So she's uh, putting on quite a show, much more than people thought at at the tennis arena at the U.S. Open. Uh, Let's get back, Fred, to you now. Let's get back to you, Fred. (laughs) I know you like the dogs, but how do you rate right now? What do you – what do you think of the SEC? Where there's so many great teams, how do you look at it? <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I don't know how you don't go with Alabama and Georgia again. I mean, I don't know who's going to beat them. I really don't. 
you know, as I watch those those guys play. How about A and M? Well, you know what? I mean, A and M's got to go through Tuscaloosa. I mean, that's <laughs> you know they got to go through Alabama. You know, and jump right. mouth and off. You know, you don't think Nick Saban's going to be ready for that one? <laughs> yeah, so, right. I mean, after I, last year, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, oh, no that's, doubt. You know, A and M's good, and I just don't think they win the West, though. I, I really don't. You know, I mean, it's going to be hard to beat either one of those two teams, you know, because Kirby's really taking the, the Alabama model, you know, the big, big lineman, you know, pounding the ball, able to run the ball, great defense, and he's able to, to, to kind of emulate that a little bit at Georgia, and that's kind of helped them, I think. Jordan Davis. Roger. Jordan Davis. Oh, my okay. gosh, yeah. <laughs> Say that no more man, about that line, right? <laughs> it's exactly right. Those big linemen, man, and they got you know four or five, six of them coming at you. Amazing. You know, we, I wanted to switch over. We were talking about the uh, Mets and and the uh, Braves earlier. Fred, do you think the Braves can uh, take uh, take go pass and uh, and uh, get past the Mets before the end of the they, season? I don't know if they can, you know, make a run and win the division again. I mean, certainly we've seen <laughs> in Atlanta, we've seen that happen before. Oh yeah. But, I mean, they're so far ahead of the wild card. I mean, it looks as though they're going to get in the tournament or the playoffs, whatever you want to call it, no matter what. And once they get in there, I think in baseball, more than any sport, if you're hot when you get in, it's hard to stop you. That's no, a no nothing lead right now in the bottom of the fourth inning, uh, playing at uh, City Field in New York. And, uh, it's been interesting. They got the ground going for them tonight, which is always a big step. And uh, but at the same time, a uh, great game last night, four to three. Even though the Braves won, it, leaving eleven runners on base in scoring position. A surprise for the Braves, but tonight it's two nothing Mets right now uh, in the bottom of the fourth inning. But uh, and it's, it's two ahead. nothing ahead, Braves, uh, Don. Two nothing Braves too against the Rockies at Bruce yeah. uh, Park. The uh, I wanted to get back to the Falcons. Uh, you know, you're right about Mariota. You know what's funny about him was when he came out of Oregon, you know, with Chip Kelly and, and uh, Kelly went to Philadelphia, the, everybody thought, and, and it was well know, a well-known fact, Chip wanted him. And yeah. uh, what, Tennessee got him, right, before right, uh, yeah. the Eagles? Right, yeah. yeah. And, and, and ju- just think how things would change. The other thing is, when you mentioned Matt Ryan, well, you and I were there when Matt, Matt started his career. And that was yeah. a great era for the Falcons with Mike Smith. And I love Mike Smith. I thought he was great. Coach, person. And yeah. I just hope that Matt has a great season uh, with the Colts. Don't you? Me too. Me too. No doubt. Class act. Great guy. Good citizen. You know, good contributor to the community. And a good, really uh, I've I've never seen a guy take so much crap for winning so many games. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really have. And I'm just like, what do you want from the guy? You know? Fred, let me ask you this. Right. I, 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 I always look back at Archie Manning. He's got three boys, and none of them went to LSU. You, you know, it's a little <laughs> bit of a surprise that his youngest son went to Texas. Uh, I, I don't know how they decide out there, whether, whether he helps them decide where they're going to go. Or what he does, but he's got three boys. They're all going to be uh, national heroes, and they're all at different schools. Yeah. yeah, you know, I don't know how how they pick it, but you know, Eli went to Ole Miss. He followed in his dad's footsteps, and right. Peyton, of course, went to Tennessee. 
And I think, um, you know, I think there was some. Uh, Cooper. Geez, yeah, he got Cooper. hurt. Cooper got hurt. And then I think Phil Fulmer and um, and the, the Manning family, and David Cutcliffe was his offensive coordinator, and they were real close to the Manning family. So I think that's how he ended up getting Peyton down there. And, and then Cutcliffe, didn't he go to Ole Miss? And then how they got Eli at Ole Miss? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the whole story. Right? But that seems like, as I recall, my memory's no good. But Well, hey, but, listen, we're all, we, you know, we're getting older. But the other thing yeah. is, has our, Arch – Cooper's son made a decision. I don't know if either one of you uh, have heard. I mean, he's what the number one ranked quarterback uh, in in the high school football, I believe. He is. He is. Yeah, Arch Manning, right? He's too interested to see where he ends up for sure. I wonder if, you know, certainly Alabama probably would be right there. I I think he visited Georgia, didn't he, Fred? He did. He did visit Georgia, right? I thought so. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't that be something if – he winds up as a uh, a dog, I'll tell you. I was over there uh, last uh, last week with uh, a friend of mine, and uh, I'll tell you, every time I go in that athletic association building and see that Hall of Fame, I mean, there's just something about it that just uh, picks you up. And anyway, we asked uh, Tony, the receptionist, uh, where the uh, – national championship trophy is and it's in the football complex it's not in the uh the hall of fame and the museum there in the athletic association but uh what a what a great year and then you know you had the braves you had the uh the the uh, dogs and it may be a repeat this year and i know how busy you are yeah when they're in the playoffs you know i mean and and, you know the the playoffs are coming. I think we got a playoff game here in Atlanta, one of them, and then uh, I think in a couple of years the championship game comes the back. The championship so. game, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to be yeah, right in the heart of the action, Fred. Oh man, we've been there. <laughs> no doubt about it. Last year was incredible. It was an incredible year. You know, so with the you had late Georgia night, to the buddy. Braves or the Braves right into Georgia, and then and then Arch Manning's going to Texas, so we'll see how that works out. But I believe he's committed to Texas. Yeah, well, there you uh, go, Don. Your alma mater got Archman. Yeah, that's what I that's what I said. They all went to different yeah, schools, said, and the yeah, youngest yeah, one right. decided to go to Texas, which right, surprised yeah, me. Grandson. I mean, I would have yeah. thought I mean, if the old man was steering everybody, he certainly steered them all to different schools. Yeah. Well, I think he let him make the choice, you know? Yeah, well, Don played baseball at Texas, Fred. So that's Great, why man. I say well, you got to be happy. Yeah. So, no doubt. I'll tell you, it's so going to be, it's gonna be a lot of fun down. Out. It's going to be a lot of fun down the home stretch with, uh, you know, what's going on. Not only just the battle, but you pointed out, Fred, and I think correctly so. It really doesn't matter whether the Braves or the Philly or the or the, uh, the Mets win, Mets. because it's all the playoffs anyway. I mean, you got to win there, and the advantage yeah, I mean, the Mets have is that they've got. Scherzer, they also, you know, have Legrom if he can continue to pitch like he's pitching right now. And uh, right. if you have two pitchers like that, you got a decided advantage. But I'll tell you, those two teams seem to me to be by far the best in the National League. I like the Cardinals overall; they're a good team, but I don't think they're going to match up with the Mets or the Dodgers. Well, sitting in a series, if you got three good pitchers, two or three good pitchers, then you know, even the Braves were able to piece it together last year. 
Right. You know, Brian Snitsky, I thought, did a great job of piecing everything together. But, and you a know, great job out of the bullpen. They, their bullpen was that's sensational. What I mean, yeah, because they pieced it. Yeah, they did a great job. There's no doubt about that. I agree with you. And a great manager. Yeah. And, y- you know, Snitsky, no doubt. there's no – I'll tell you, when he got the job, I, I just thought, you know, uh, justice prevailed, Frank. Right. I mean, Fred and Frank yeah. and, and Don, uh, I really did. And, you know, I know Don and Frank, you don't get to see, uh, you know, the Braves like we do. But just to sure. see his, uh, his, just the way he manages a game, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. they were complaining about Joe Girardi and Philly about, you know, with his uh, binder. I don't yeah. see Brian Snitker with anything. He's just no. there uh, check, taking everything in, isn't he? Fred, well, I mean, I mean he might have, he might have, he's got people there with him, though. He's got his bench coach. Oh, sure. There. He knows what's going on. I mean, he's like, I, and let's not forget, you know, he got to sit next to Bobby Cox for a long time. That's true. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's very true. He's a lot true. like Bobby, you know. Well, yeah. Fred, thank you very, very much for spending this much time Thanks with us. Me on, guys. I, I hope that uh, you and Roger will get together and, we'll, and you'll get together on the show with us again. Uh, down the line as we get into a few games into the regular season and as we look forward to the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs because, as I said, you're going to be right in the heart of the action between <laughs> the Dogs and the Braves. You're going to be right there. <laughs> it was like last year, man. We, we didn't stop working until the middle of January. I know. Well, good luck. Thank you very much, Fred. We night, really Fred. appreciate your time. Yeah, take right, care, thanks, Fred, guys. as always. All right. Thanks, thanks so take much. Care. See you later. Bye-bye. Mike Schulte on the line with us next, and uh, Mike, of course, has joined us many, many times and has been the uh, director of communications uh, down there in, in Tampa, Florida, for the one of the great bowl games. And I think the newest name, and I, I Frank put this down today, but I'm not sure it's the right name. I, it's not Real Quest, is it? Real Quest Auto Bowl? That's not the name, is it? No, Rely Rely Quest. Rely Quest. Rely okay. Okay. Rely is the new name of the bowl, and uh, Mike's been a been the great man down there for over thirty years. And uh, boy, we're talking. We talked the last half hour about college football, and just talked to Fred in in Atlanta, where uh, the SEC is the name of the day, where they won the national championship. And I'll tell you, you can't wait. You can't wait for the college season to get started. Yeah, that's that. That is true. I'll tell you, we uh, we're very excited. I mean, obviously, it started this past weekend, but gosh, it's it's been a uh, um, it's been it seems like a long summer. I mean, it just uh, you're really anxious to get it kicked mm-hmm. off, and we're glad that it's here on here on us, and we're able to watch some some great college football. Roger, what do you think about that matchup tomorrow night at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Uh, you know the uh, do- the Georgia Bulldogs against the Oregon Ducks, Mike. On well, it's on Saturday. Yeah, it's uh, that's going to be a really good one. Uh, I I tell you what, it's uh, you know that's a good way to start. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's a nice way to have. I mean, there's some really fun games this weekend to start out. I, and I think Notre Dame and Ohio State playing, and and uh, you've got uh, uh, FSU uh, and, and LSU playing in New Orleans. So a lot of good, a lot of good uh, big games uh, to start off the the, the season, the full week of the season, and um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, there's 
there's a lot of question marks out there on, uh, you know, what, what some of these teams are going to look like this year with, you know, with all the different movements of players and so forth. So um, I'm just happy that's here, and we're very excited to start start watching the games. How about Chip Kelly? How do you think he's going to do going from the frying pan at uh, Notre Dame where you had to win, but the schedule was a little bit favorable for him. But now he's at a place where you really have to win LSU. They don't accept too many losses down there. How do you think that transition will go? Well, you know, he's he's proven himself as a really good coach, and I think he, you know, it's going to be, you know, obviously a huge challenge. I mean, they're – He's not only playing in the SEC, he's playing in the SEC West. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he realized that when he took the job. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's – yeah, I mean, that's – uh, He realized the money. He didn't worry about where he was tough, going to play. He just worried about the money. That's a tough – that's a tough division, uh, you know. That uh, division about as tough as a lot of conferences out there. So, it's uh, – yeah, I mean, but you know what? Hey. You know, it's like they say, right? You want to you want to beat the best, you got to play the best, right? And if you want to you want to be the best, then you got to you got to be, uh, you know, get, playing against the best, and you and you got to be able to be in a, a place where you can recruit the best. And um, you know, I mean, he's gonna you know he's gonna see what SEC football is about, and on a regular basis, and he's gonna uh, you know, uh, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, we've. You know, you know he he's a proven coach. I mean, you know, so he you know he's got uh, obviously a lot on his plate, but I think uh, you know he, he's probably going to do well there. The LSU's got as much support behind their program as any other major uh, program out there. So uh, he'll he'll have the ability to to, to have the talent uh, that he needs to put together winning teams. It's just a matter of uh, you know how he can do against uh, the competition in the league. Roger, you know, Mike, you he, know, Don he never really did. Don, he never. Go I'm ahead, sorry, Roger. Go ahead, Frank. No, he ahead. never did very well when he played against SEC teams. Uh, do you think that's going to be able to be a hindrance to him? I mean, they uh, Alabama, for God's sakes, uh, creamed him a couple times. Well, you know, right. hey, it, it just all depends. I mean, you know, it's. I mean, it, you know, he's if he can throw right guys, and uh, you know. I mean, it, it's tough for everybody, you know, in that league. You know, I mean, it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, he's proven himself. He's a good coach. I mean, he's, you know, uh, he gets the right guys in there, and uh, he knows what he's going to know what to do with them. I mean, it, all these games are tough. You know, you, play, you know, you, sure. these teams, these games in, inside the SEC. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, you know, Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game, then beats them in the national championship game. So they got the trophy mm-hmm. that really counted, right? I mean, you know, right. you flip flop it, and then you know, and then Alabama's the champion. You know, it's just like these guys, you know, beat up on each other, and sometimes it just comes down to, you know, uh, a turnover here or there, or um, um, you know, a missed officials call, or maybe just the, the luck mm-hmm. of the bounce of the ball. You know, uh, in, the, mm-hmm. in this league with among these quality teams, and um, you know, but that's 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 football. And, uh, you know, so sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, he's going to have every every opportunity uh, to do what he wants to do at that at that program. They've got, like I said, tremendous support. Um, they get great athletes in there. Um, and But, you know, they're obviously, like you said, they had, every week they're going to be going up against these, you know, quality mm-hmm. teams. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's not going to be easy. But, you know, if you, if you want to go down as being – 
one of the top coaches and you you know probably mm-hmm. probably important to play in one of the you know the top league uh, at least one of the top leagues in the country to and to prove yourself and to show show how good you are so um you know he he wasn't in the big 10 before he was an independent uh you know the Notre Dame so you know he has an opportunity to play you know certainly arguably in one of the top two leagues in the country if not the top league right on a regular mm-hmm. basis right. so like I said he he's got an opportunity now to to really show what he can do as a coach. And I, I think Mike Kelsey, uh, you our know, special guest is uh, uh, any, anybody like that. Program. We're talking college football, obviously, and we'll continue for this segment because there's so many great things to talk about about college football. Also give you an update on the United States Open in New York. Uh, Serena won the first set, 7-6, to six, and they're playing in the second set at this particular moment. Roger? Mike, I wanted to – we talked about it, uh, Mike and Fred and, and – uh, and Frank and I, uh, previous to you coming on, about Arch Manning, Cooper's son, uh, number one uh, high school recruit, the quarterback, I believe, and uh, uh, he made the rounds. He was over here in in Athens to visit uh, Georgia, among many schools. And, of course, uh, his uh, uncles uh, both played in the SEC, but he went to Texas. And uh, really, you know, a little out of the area. Uh, Would a move like that coming from the Mannings surprise you, or does that really uh, send a message about uh, Texas is all serious about uh, going for a national championship in the next few years? Well, I mean, I I think everybody would have liked to have them. You know, certainly Texas wanted him, wanted him as well. Um, I, you know, it, it comes down to his, you know, his decision. You know, the kid and his parents, I guess. Um, you know, uh, I think they probably, you know, he, they obviously feel like that's the best situation for him. You know, I, I will say this: just you know, my personal observation is that, you know, there's a lot of kids uh, can play in a lot of places. You know, when they're you know at that level, but the ideal situation is to make sure you're going to a program where you fit in the best. Um, and it could be the style of offense that they run, if, if obviously you're a quarterback, or it could be, the, you know, the coach. It could be the team around you. Could, you know, there's a lot of different factors. You know, I, I've seen, put it this way, I've seen a lot of at, uh, uh, athletes that, that could have uh, been, you know, uh, even better or played in college that maybe didn't get much playing time or could have been stars in college, but they went to the wrong place not you know just you know they didn't know it but they went they happened to be in a program that they ended up having to sit behind a couple you know guys and never got a chance or they or they you know they had a a coach that didn't really connect with with what they um you know their style of play i i read uh uh, kirk curb street's book if you haven't read it you should you should read it it's a a great uh look back at his his life and his career and uh, he talked about how you know growing up in you know in the shadows of Ohio State as the son of a, a star football player at Ohio State, and uh, you know he signed you know with with Ohio State uh, even though Michigan wanted him, and um, you know and Bo wanted him up at Michigan, and uh, and but when he went in his, that first year they had made a change in coaching. Uh, Earl Bruce had left, uh, was sort of run out of there, and uh, through with con- you know controversial with the fans running them out, but they fired Bruce and John Cooper came in and nothing against John Cooper, but John Cooper came in 
with a completely different scheme um, of offense. And Kirk Herbstreet was was an option quarterback. You know, they, they ran a triple option in high school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so he comes up there and he said the first week, the first week in, in, um, in preseason practice, he realized that he was at the wrong place from the standpoint mm-hmm. of the, of the, the coach, you know, and what he wanted to run there. And he right. never really, you know, um, did much there. And that, because he was, he was in the wrong situation. He was in the wrong scheme, you know, and, you know, well, so Mike, if he Mike, had, let if me interrupt he for had a second because else, God bless the portal. Yeah. <laughs> because these guys are getting these guys are getting an additional chance now when something like that happens yeah. and they think they are in the wrong spot, they can make a change without losing the year and boy oh boy, look at the last two years and the teams that have taken advantage of the portal. Well, absolutely. And I, I was gonna say, yeah, so that so they do have that now, which helps a lot. So, you know, hey, I mean, but I like I said, you you're talking about like, you know, choosing where to go. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons you choose a place, but, you know, ideally you want to choose a place that's the right fit for you. So, you know, you don't just necessarily choose, you know, based on what the logo is on, on the, on the uh, program or the you know, the uniform. So, um, and, and you're right, the portal is is a huge uh, wild card now. That's why, that's why going into this season, you know, we sit there and look back and say, well, you got these preseason polls and all this, and based off of what they did last year, there's a lot of schools uh, that, that have a lot of changes, not only in who they recruited and signed this off season, but they're, but they're um, uh, the portal because not only did they maybe bring in some, some transfers from other programs that can play right away that can really help them, but they might've lost some of their good players from last year that went somewhere else and they don't have those now. Now they got to backfill those spots. So it's really going to be interesting. I think from here on, you know, the first few weeks of the season is really going to be much more telling as to as to how good programs are this year um, because, you know, you don't have the old situation where all you're looking at is, well, what did they add from the freshman, you know, class kind of thing. It's it's not like that anymore. you got to look at who did they lose who they had that they had as well as who did they bring in from another program that can step in right away and help them. And our, our, One of our the perfect examples year, of that is USC. They took, they not only took the Oklahoma they, coach, they, but they also took – one of the top two quarterbacks in college football, all in one in one jump. Yeah, well, right, and 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 our, our one of our teams last year, Arkansas, they had a, a number of players that came in and really helped springboard them uh, to a level that nobody expected them to be at that that quickly after after you know uh, the you know the coach's second year. Um, you know, this past year, I know you know the uh, Rattler, the one of the quarterbacks at Oklahoma, right. He goes to to uh, South Carolina. Well, that might be the spark that you know one of the pieces of the puzzle that South Carolina needed to be to to elevate themselves a lot quicker than people would have thought they would have elevated themselves, right? So so there's going to be a lot of a lot of uh, interesting developments here in the last few, first few weeks of the season. We're going to really be able to see like who really helped themselves in the off season, and and you're going to have you know- a lot of programs each year. That that make make a, a step forward a lot quicker than what they, they used to be. It used to be, you know, you take maybe two or three years to get get out of the hole, and now you can you can rectify a lot of things in one good year of bringing in some guys out of the portal. Roger, yeah, yeah, Mike, uh, yeah, that point you made about uh, Kirk Herbstreit was was a great one because I can remember when Jabo Shaw 
came out of high school and he went to Tech. And then Tech got the uh, a former Navy coach who's now retired, you know, from Tech, who ran that, uh, uh, you know, wasn't was it a triple option or uh, was a uh, something, you know, was uh, unusual, and it was not uh, Jay Bo's uh, style, uh, but he did stay for two years and he played, and then he transferred to Georgia Southern, and had a very uh, a good career and he's coaching now. But uh, you're exactly right. I mean, a lot of times it's just uh, uh, you make a coaching change and it can change uh, the play of, uh, of uh, the quarterback uh, immensely. Just an update, Serena's down yep. low three yep. in the second set right now. She won the first set 7-6. She's down low three in set number two, and they're getting ready for game number four. Go ahead, Mike. No, I'm just I'm just going to agree. Yeah, I mean, I, and I I saw when I I worked in college basketball a lot when I was in college, and and uh, I remember we had a couple of kids in South Florida who was um, who got drafted by the NBA, and one of you know our one of our best players, you know, he's a, he was a guard, and and he got drafted. Uh, I think it was I want to say by San Antonio or somebody. I can't remember who it was, but it was sort of like you know he never made it because you know they they had they drafted a couple other really good guards and they had like a all-star guard. I can't remember the guy's name, but you know, it was sort of like, you know, we're like, Oh, okay. Well, he got drafted, but he, he went to the wrong team. He's never going to get his, yeah. up. you know, he never did. Kind right. of thing. He played in Europe and all, but you know, that you see, you see that all the time. It's like, you know, it's like, well, you know, that's not really the program. You want to go to a program who needs a good a guard. You, you, you've got an opportunity for you to, to come play. I, I have a friend of ours, or their son, uh, or one of our best friends' sons, is playing in the major leagues. But he he was a uh, you know he he sort of broke in through with the, the Braves actually, back a few years back when they were really uh, not very good at all, and they were re- retooling everything. Well, he got a, he got a chance to play with them because they weren't very good, and he was able to come in and show what he could do, and he was able to earn earn the spot and. And he went on to continue playing for a few years here, but you know it, it's. Uh, but you know, had, you know, if they were a really good team and they brought him in there, he never would have gotten out of the AAA with that club, unless they trade him because because they didn't have a spot for him. Um, so you know, sometimes it's just you know, situate you got to be in the right situation to be able to go out and prove yourself and show what you can do. But you, there's a lot of good players out there in a lot of these sports, professional sports especially. Who who get buried and never really get to you never really get to see what they can do because they're playing behind other guys or or they're they're uh, uh, they're really good too or they're or they're just in in the wrong scheme maybe like Kirk Kirk Street was um, so you know you, that's one that again going back to the portal that is a good thing about the portal is that now you got guys that you know these be maybe stacked up sitting on the bench you know Alabamas and Georgias of the world who. You know, they got two or three guys, you know, maybe four guys deep on their bench who could be starters someplace, but they're playing behind somebody waiting for their turn. And that happened with mm-hmm. Justin Fields. Justin Fields was the third quarterback on that team. And then the first guy got hurt, and Jake Fromm, he was also a freshman at the time, well, he ended up taking over, you know, the starting role, and he ended up, you know, starting next, for the next three years. Where So Justin Fields leaves because he knows he's not going to get a sniff um, and and he goes to Ohio State and he goes to the national championship game. So, you know, but it, had he not, and that was before the portal. But it, had he not been able to transfer 
and play up at Ohio State. He, he he would have been sitting on the bench for three years. We might have might have seen him one year, maybe. So you know, yeah. that's a good thing about this portal is being able to to have these guys, you know, that are stacked up sitting on the bench behind all the other big guys at these you know at the Alabamas and the LSU's and Ohio States and and Georgias and stuff. They you know once they see you know where they fit in everything and you know where they sit on the depth chart, they can now go someplace else and say, okay, hey, you know what, I'll go to South Carolina and start, and I can show what I can do, you know, and that kind of stuff, or, or you know, um, Arkansas or someplace like that. So that's that's, that's a good thing uh, that these kids are being able to give them at least, at least one, one chance to transfer without sitting out. Roger, before I go back to you, the Dodger game is now 2-1 in favor of the New York Instagram is still pitching. Uh, home run by Mookie Betts made it 2-1. Freeman hit a line drive up to the middle. He's on second base after stealing second. There's two outs that are in the top of the sixth inning, and the Mets are leading it by a score of 2-1. to one. Roger, go to it. And the Braves are still up 2-zip uh, over uh, uh, the uh, Colorado Rockies. Uh, you know that the quarterback at Georgia, Mike, that uh, started last year, uh, and, you know, and then Bennett uh, took over, that he, he transferred with the portal. And I forget where he went. You may be uh, – uh, you may know, or, you know, I just yeah, I remember seeing. Yeah, yeah Daniel. I can't recall yeah. exactly, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know what? Here, here, yeah, Georgia. I mean, the good thing about for Georgia last year is they had two guys that they could go to. If, if that if Bennett had gotten hurt at any point, they had another guy with experience there that could step right in and, and you know, they wouldn't miss a beat. So that was a nice thing, a nice, uh, uh, you know, a, a nice thing for them to have for sure. But, uh, Mike, with all right. this I mean, conversation you know, about college that, football like, and all these great teams, gotta, it's going to make a great opportunity for you and your bowl to uh, to get great teams to come into Tampa and play in the bowl. So it's all to the advantage of uh, everybody in Tampa to see great great teams. The bottom of the sixth inning now, well, got well, the last out, two what, to one know, bottom of the know, sixth in favor of the of the, uh, the Mets. Go ahead. So, well, I was going to say, yeah, you're, you know, I was going to say, you know, the, the one good thing about all the, the stuff that's happened with the, the conferences and movements and, and teams and all that, you know, you know, we're aligned with the Big Ten SEC primarily. And, uh, and you know, you got – you mentioned Texas, you know, and uh, Oklahoma, you know, will be coming into the SEC. So, right. they're, they're teams that we might have in our game one day. And now you've got a situation where USC and um, UCLA are joining the Big Ten – so we might have those guys in our game sometime down the road here. So, you know, so we're 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 in good shape. We're we're only getting more more uh, potential teams uh, that we can get in our game here over the next few years. So we're well, USC has already jumped from the middle of the back to the top the before they even started the season. So, Mike, thank you very much, Mike Schulte, as <laughs> always. And we'll talk to you a couple of weeks down the path, and we'll be a week or two into college football and. You'll be looking at all the teams to see who's going to come in to play at your bowl in Tampa, Florida. Thank you very much, Mike. Mike, have a great week. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. And it's and, your and new Frankie sponsor is Visionary, Mike. Yeah, Rely Quest, and they are the management <laughs> are very visionary. Believe. <laughs> hey, Mike. Before you go, they, they are. Do you have tickets on sale yet? Great, great company. Mike, Not yet. Yeah, tickets on sale yet? Probably go on sale in about a month. So. No, no, yeah, not yet, not yet. 
Yep. Okay. We'll probably uh, end around the end of October, probably. Yep. Okay. No, thank you. Know, so, thank but, yeah, you very much, Mike. Yeah, we're really excited about them. They're they're a great company based in Tampa, so we're we're very excited to have them involved, and they're very excited to be be a part of college football and the bowl game. Great. Great. Fantastic. Mike Zimzak, you're next up, and uh, you got a lot of things going on down there in that Washington D.C. area. So, uh, how about the the Commodores first? What do we think about them? Well, um, you know, we're down to the 53-man roster. Of course, the big news, and I'm not sure whether it made it down to you guys, was that Brian Robinson, the rookie from Alabama and presumptive uh, starting running back for the Commanders, was shot in the lower body during a robbery. I did see that. I did see that. Two uh, two lower body wounds, yes. Yes. He was on um, 8th, uh, 8th Street Northeast, which is kind of like a commercial area. Um, I've been trying to figure out how to compare it. I guess the best comparison would be, uh, think, South Street. Um, a lot of restaurants, bars. There's a bench chili bowl that happens to be on the corner. Either that he got shot or definitely on one of the corners of those blocks. Plus, it was the there's like block parties. So... Uh, and it was 6 o'clock at night, so this was not a late-night thing. He most likely went down there to get some food and hang out and be around people and uh, was approached by two kids and who tried to either rob or carjack him. He managed to wrestle the gun away from one of them but uh, was shot twice in the lower body. Thankfully, he's doing well. He was released from the hospital on Wednesday and yesterday was back at the training facility. But there's no timeline for when we might see him back on the field. So, um, our, so of course, part of our unbelievable know, world that we live in today. Yeah, sure I mean, is. It's just unfortunate that that could have happened, and uh, we wish him the best on a speedy recovery because he had a, really had a great preseason. Uh, the coaching staff was very high on him to the point where he supplanted. Antonio Gibson as the starting, the presumptive starting running back, or right. I guess main running back for the Commanders. They liked how he uh, he ran. He was an instinctive runner. They liked how he didn't leave yards on the field. Uh, so they were very, very, very high on him and looking forward to what he might bring this summer. So or this this season. So we hope that he gets back on the field and it resumes full health sooner rather than later. But, yeah, you can imagine that that has had impact. Uh, you know, as the roster is taking shape, uh, they're uh, pretty solid at wide receiver. They've had to uh, make some interesting moves at tight end because of injury. Uh, their only keep, I think the thing that stands out most to me from the commander's 53-man roster was they're only keeping four linebackers. Uh, Cole Holcomb and Jamin Davis seem to be, I guess, the two starters. Um, John Bostick, who was the, one of their leading tackler last year, was released by New Orleans, and they resigned him uh, after he was cut uh, after yesterday. But a really interesting move for the, uh, for a team that really struggled at that position last year to go really light. And when they found the most success was when they had 
uh, Landon Collins playing what they call the Buffalo nickel, this sort of hybrid safety linebacker position. But they opted not to re-sign him because he wanted to re-sign as a safety. They wanted to re-sign as a linebacker. Um, I don't really care what position you call me as long as I get the money, but that was apparently an issue. Uh, he remains unsigned. They don't have that player, so it's going to be interesting to see how, for my money, they're a little bit light in the secondary in that linebacker. Roger? You know, the, the, getting back to that uh, sad situation, Mike, with Robinson, uh, I think yeah, two, they've been off, uh, obviously, for a few days because they don't play until next uh, weekend, uh, not hmm. this coming weekend, a weekend after Labor Day. But uh, the and I think uh, Tuesdays are usually the players' days off if they have a Sunday game anyway. You know, following a Sunday game. But uh, it's good that it wasn't after hours. All this bad stuff. Here's a guy, unfortunately, just with a crowd in a nice, uh, as you said, block party. You know, in a in, mm-hmm. a, in a nice active uh, area of uh, Washington. And I remember. Uh, like 13th Street used to be, you know, 30 years ago, and then it became all offices. And so I guess you have, like you said, South Street's a little bit further east, only five blocks away, and they're not that long blocks there. But it's it's a very sad, and you're right, Don. I mean, uh, yeah, you just you can't be uh, you can't be safe any place you go. And, uh, you know, and then you get the mayor of D.C., you know, wanted to defund the police and all this other stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I, I saw the uh, the union uh, had a big celebration, uh, Mike, because of uh, undefeated at home. And uh, they were getting a lot of accolades and congratulations from, uh, uh, yeah, from everybody, pretty much, all soccer fans in Philadelphia. Well, they're playing tonight. They've still got a couple of home games left. Right now, they are up uh, 2-1 over, the Atlanta, uh, over Atlanta United at Yeah, home. they are, yeah. And I, I think it's, they have uh, seven games left to play. But they're, they're three points back, played one more in the race for the Supporter Shield. But they are clear at the top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, in their last couple of games, they have a 7 nothing and a 6 nothing victory. So they're just looking real dangerous, and they just look to have scored another goal. Um, it could come back because of a foul, but they just, as we're talking, look to have scored a third uh, in front of the river end on a mistake and a poor play by the goalkeeper in the defense of Atlanta United. This is probably... Roger and Don, the best iteration of the Philadelphia Union that I can recall. Um, they are so good defensively, buoyed by uh, you know all-time great MLS goalkeeper Andre Blake, uh, Michael Ura, and Julian Carranza, the lone signee, uh, have just started scoring goals for fun. Uh, everything just seems to be coming together for the union at the right time. And they look like a team that's going to be very, 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 very tough to handle in the playoffs uh, as they go in search of their first since they joined MLS. Well, when you look at MLS right now, as you say, a couple of games to go, uh, are you impressed 
with what's going on, or are you depressed with what's going on? Uh, actually, I think this is as competitive and as good a season as I have seen in the history of MLS. When I'm looking at the product on the field, it is really fun to watch. You have some very good teams. You have a lot of compelling storylines. I was watching uh, a really important uh, top two matchup in the Western Conference right. uh, late uh, Friday night or Saturday, I think it was Friday night. Uh, and Austin FC, who were a team that I just didn't think, I didn't know what to think of. Uh, they're in their second year. They're a second-year expansion team. Uh, their owner was the owner of the Columbus Crew. He had threatened to move the team and in order to save the Columbus Crew. Uh, they gave him an expansion team in Austin, so he set that up. But they beat LAFC for nothing, and I was really watching this game, and I was thinking like, the level was good. It was good to watch. The atmosphere was great. So as far as the product – for the MLS this season. I think this has been the best season that I can recall. There's a lot of very, very competitive teams. Even as much as Atlanta has struggled, they're still going in. Uh, and I don't think it's because, like, the teams are just that bad. It's just it's a very competitive league. You have some really good teams, uh, Austin FC, LAFC, the Galaxy, uh, the Union, uh, New York Red Bulls, Montreal, but, it, you know, other than those guys who who have sort of separated themselves at the top, there's a lot of competition, and it's very, very good. Roger, before I go back to you, uh, Serena right now is down 1-5 uh, and serving in set number two. She won set number one, seven to six in the United States Open in New York City. Roger, you're up. Yeah, the, uh, the, the uh, Union uh, United games on national TV on FS1, and uh, there was just a collision. Uh, you probably saw it, Mike. Uh, and uh, one of the Union players, or two of them, uh, one went down, and the other one is having all kinds of uh, uh, problems getting off the field. And uh, hopefully that won't have an uh, influence on on the play of the game. But there's still plenty of time left. But uh, – the, and Philadelphia, like you said, is up in a, a big, uh, big crowd there at the uh, the stadium down there in Chester, Mike. Uh, it looks to be a completely sold out game, which is great for a Wednesday evening in Chester. But again, it, this is proof about what winning does. Um, I don't care what you, you got say. that right. If you, put, if you put a winning product on the field, if you put a good product on the field, you're going to get fans and you're going to get them consistently. I don't care who you are, what the team is. People don't want to waste their time paying all the money and going out to watch a team get beat. And, you know, I'm sorry. We see that all over the place in this area. You know, the commanders talk about their troubles drawing fans because they don't win. The Nationals aren't Mm -hmm. drawing right now because they don't win. The Baltimore Orioles weren't drawing because they weren't winning. Guess what? The Orioles started winning. Guess what happened? The fans came back. So winning is a bad thing. Because Mm -hmm. people want to see a team be good. We don't want to watch. Who wants to waste their time and their money going out and seeing them? Bad teams play. Not at these prices. Nope, no, exactly. So, you know, full com- uh, the union have assembled their team. They've got their 
coach, you know, I had my questions about uh, Jim Curtin earlier in his tenure, but he has been there so long now, I really think that you're going to take the excavation crew to get him out of that job. They like him. They've had a model of developing young players, uh, you know, scouting well, buying on the margins. Kai Wagner, who's their left back, when he signed, I guess, three, four years ago, we talked about him briefly on the show. I didn't really know who he was. He came over from, like, the second division in Germany. He's a MLS all-star left back. He's had, I think, seven assists in his last ten games. He's just amazing, and now they're getting big offers from all over the place to try and buy him, and if they get their price, they're going to, you know, sell the guy, let him go on further his career, and reinvest the money in the team like they've been doing, and they've found success doing it. Mm-hmm. Good management. Good management yes. at the top, and they've got a, a, a great uh, youth program with camps and uh, developmental. I, I mean, they really... Uh, they really have done a, a really good job. I mean, they and and so have the United. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But uh, there's a big difference between AMB uh, uh, Operate Sports, which is Arthur Blank, uh, you know, with everything he owns versus uh, the owners of the union. You know, yes. that uh, were were just dedicated soccer fans when they put everything together. I give them a, give them a lot of credit. I wanted to get back to you on the uh, Commodores. Uh, Carson Wentz, uh, yeah. expectations, uh, were, were the fans happy, the coaches happy, were, were you happy? I think the coaches are satisfied. The fans uh, are satisfied. They saw okay. enough mm-hmm. from him in the preseason to uh, be okay with, what, with having him as the starting quarterback. And well, we'll we have... see what happens with him. We wish him the best of luck. <laughs> this will be his third shot. We'll give him the best of luck. Howard Esker is waiting to, to join us. So, Mike, thank you very much for the Washington report, and we'll get back to you next week. Take have care. a great All week, right. Mike. Well, gentlemen, have a good one, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks a Thanks, lot. Mike. Take care. Howard Eskin, welcome to the show, and congratulations. Uh, I know this is another milestone on WIP in Philadelphia, and uh, we'll get to the Eagles in a second, but that's a long, long time in one shot. 36 years. Congratulations, Howard. Yeah, it was 35 last year, so it's a year later. Now it's 36. <laughs> <laughs> your, your mathematics are improving. Yeah, that's right. I can add from 35 to 36. So, yeah, it's just uh, it's a long time, but that's all right. As long as I'm still having fun, it's, it's all good. It's all good. You got Tell your me help. about these That's Philadelphia Eagles thing. because everybody had great anticipation. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough to see uh, most of the games only on TV on, on WNBC Philadelphia. But uh, the last <laughs> exhibition game, uh, even though it was an exhibition, wasn't wasn't very good. Well, they played with their fourth and fifth string guys and players that won't even see the light of day in the NFL. Right. And Miami started out with their starters. So, and Eagles coach Nick Sirianni was told by the other coach, hey, listen, we're going to play our starters. He didn't care. Uh, He didn't want to play his starters. He didn't want to play most of the second team. You barely got the third team in there. You know, it's, um, 
it wasn't a good game. It was over in the first 15 minutes, but they played with nobodies on top of nobodies on top of nobodies. So I, I don't think you can judge them by that. Uh, I don't think you're going to be able to tell how good the Eagles are or how bad or how good they they aren't uh, until you play a regular season game. Uh, it, it's just these, these preseason games are a waste of time. Roger. Well, Howard, the Philadelphia fans are happy. Rager is gone, traded to Minnesota. And I know your callers, I listen to them every week. I, the morning show, I, you know, is everybody's happy tonight in Philadelphia, right? Yeah, I mean, you had to get rid of him. He can't – he's the fifth wide receiver who can't return – or he, he can return punts and kickoffs, but it's pathetic how bad he is at that part of it. So they had to get rid of him, uh, and they tried and they tried. They wanted to get more than they did. I think in the end – you may only get a seventh round pick for him. So it doesn't matter. You just had to get you just had to get him out of here because it just blocks up other people and he would have never played in the he would have hardly played in a game. Roger, we what, had Dick Vermeil along think? with us last week and we talked about uh, the upcoming schedule. Uh, and we break it down into four, four, four and four. And it looks to me like the Eagles with the schedule lineup has a great shot to get off to an awfully hot start in those first four games. Well, I based on the numbers out there now, the Eagles will be favored in eight of their first nine games. Right. So, mm. uh, but somehow I don't think they're going to go four and zero. It looks too easy for them to go four and zero. It just looks too easy. It's it, that's just not just it's not that easy. Uh, so somehow I don't know which game it's going to be. Uh, I think. One of the first two, I don't think they'll lose to Detroit. That would be pathetic, even though Detroit is uh, hitting in training camp and the Eagles are not, and people are worried that. Uh, Your morning host Eagles. told us he was never going to lose to Detroit. Well, but, but, you know, <laughs> you can't go by what he says. He, he just takes <laughs> Sometimes you got to explain to him that, it, that it, the field's only 100 yards long. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah. Well, it doesn't matter what he says. Uh, I think that the, the second game against Minnesota, it's the home opener, is going to be a really tough game for the Eagles. Okay. That's where. That's where I think uh, there could be an issue, and that would be crazy because then they go on the road the next week, and then people would have to wait uh, a month to get another home game and uh that wouldn't sit well so because they're going to they're going to beat detroit i don't think it's going to be easy i think it could be a tough one against minnesota although they'll be favored they will win in washington and then they will win at home against jacksonville so uh and then the first game that they will not be favored is in arizona and i'm not a fan of the cardinals this year i i think uh, the quarterback I thought would be better, but he's obviously all about himself, and uh, that would concern me if I was the Arizona Cardinals. Let me just update the Dodgers and Mets. They're in the bottom of the seventh inning. The Mets are leading two to one, two outs in the bottom of the seventh inning, and uh, DeGrom has just finished for the night. He's not going to pitch the eighth, so we'll see what happens there with the New York Mets. Roger? 
Yeah, the uh, what did you think about the uh, acquisition or the signing of uh, the uh, uh, the third quarterback now, uh, the kid out of Notre Dame, was it uh, Book, right? Irrelevant, and that's what I think. I think uh, Reed uh, Sinnott, who was put back on the practice squad, um, is and he's there, but he he's not good enough. But here's the problem. If you're getting to a third-string quarterback, you are in deep trouble. You know, yeah, most trouble, teams yeah. can't – can't. if you get to the back, you're in trouble. The backup quarterback, you probably play – plays a few games. If he has to play more than that, you're in trouble. If you get to the third-string quarterback, you might as well just forget it. Uh, so I'm not even worried about that signing. There were so many quarterbacks that were released uh, for teams to cut down the 53-man. It didn't matter who it was because I don't know that that quarterback will ever, if he sees the light of day in a game, then, then the Eagles are in trouble. So it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Howard Eskin, our special guest this segment of the program, is always one of the outstanding sportscasters in Philadelphia for so many years. We talked about it 37 years at WIP alone, but worked at many other stations as well, radio and television, so it's more than 37 years to say the least. I've known Howard for an awfully long time. Uh, right now at the uh, United States Open in New York City, uh, the, the sets were split. Uh, Sorry, Williams won the first set, seven to six, lost the second, and it's nothing, nothing in the third set. Roger, Howard, when you think back on your uh, long career, not only at WIP but uh, at WWDB, CAU, et cetera, um, and and TV, twenty nine three. What was there one event that really? I made the circuit. I made the circuit. The only one I haven't yeah, worked you at. Yeah, <laughs> six. Yeah. Right. But the, the what is there one event? Uh, and I'm not thinking of the World Series because you were at several of them. But uh, one event that really stands out that had uh, the uh, uh, maybe the biggest effect. On you, as far as you know, maybe you were surprised that it was a happy time, uh, you know, because there has to be probably many of them, but one in particular. Well, there are many moments, but the 1980 World Series Phillies were mm-hmm. at the top of my list of a team covering. I went to all the games, home and away, and um, it was. That was a, a team of Hall of Famers, real Hall of Famers, not the bogus Hall of Famers to get in the Baseball Hall of Fame now. Uh, you, mm-hmm. know, you had Schmidt, Boa, who I think is a Hall of Famer. You had Carlton. Pete Rose, if he didn't foul things up, is he's really a Hall of Famer. And I think Bob Boone was a Hall of Famer. But that was the team. But then when the Eagles won the Super Bowl in the 2017 season and the Super Bowl in 2018 – being on the sidelines as a sideline reporter for our broadcast was a moment on moments that I'll never forget. And sure. that's at the top of the list of, of me going and covering. And, and I've been to 40 Super Bowls uh, and some of them have been Eagles Super Bowls, uh, but that's the only one that they won. And the fact that I was on the sidelines for that game uh, was in, incredible for me. So that has to, without question, be at the top of the list. Howard, doesn't the uh, Houston Astro-Philly World Series also, especially the Nolan Ryan game, uh, doesn't that stand on on that that late line too? 
Well, yeah, that that was the that was the playoffs. That wasn't the World Series, but that was probably the most exciting. Um, and that was the eighty season for the Phillies. Right. That was the most exciting playoff because it was only a five game series, and the fact that they beat Nolan Ryan when he never gets beat. Uh, after the seventh inning with a lead. Uh, and I was there for that. It was really, really amazing. But there's nothing like being right there when everything's going on in a Super Bowl. Uh, that's the that's the top of the list. But that's a good point. That, that Houston series wasn't the World Series. It wasn't a championship. Right. Uh, but that was a great, great series. And if the Phillies hadn't lost to Toronto, that was an unbelievable end to a World Series in 1993 when Joe Carter hit the home run against Mitch Williams. So, but that wasn't, I wouldn't say it's at the top of the moment because the team in Philadelphia lost, but you know, lost. it still has yeah. to be the Super Bowl. It still has to be the Super Bowl, although that Houston series was really, really exciting. Really exciting. Roger? Well, you know, we talked, as Don said, Howard, we talked to Dick Vermeil last week. And uh, obviously, I haven't been anywhere near what you've been to. I've been to five games, but 13 weeks when we were doing shows. Uh, but I, I was at the one where uh, the, uh, the Rams won. And in my case, I was so happy for Dick. And I know you were there, too. And, mm-hmm. uh, and ironically, I was at their camp, at the Rams camp uh, in the summer. And and I had talked to him then, and then to be able to ask him a question after they won. I mean, to me, because of Dick Vermeil, that was probably uh, the greatest moment I've had in being at a Super Bowl live, you know, when you're there, not just watching or whatever. Yeah, obviously I had a relationship with Dick Vermeil, and he invited me to his induction, and I went a few weeks ago. Uh, and that special, was special, really, right? Yeah, it was special. It was a lot of fun, and. Uh, obviously, he appreciated the fact that I came, and uh, but it wasn't a Philadelphia team; it was a Philadelphia right. guy. But it wasn't a Philadelphia team, so that for me doesn't put it. Although it was an exciting game to end on the one yard line, uh, it, I just can't put that uh, near the top of the list because I said to him, Howard, I said to him, that field were five yards shorter. <laughs> he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. No, two yards shorter. If it was two yeah. yards shorter, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and that obviously that got him into the Hall of Fame. Uh, that helped. Uh, but yeah, it's um, that was a great game. Uh, they're usually the Super Bowls aren't great games, but the right. Eagles Super. Bowl, uh, at one point, Roger, Roger Goodell told me when I saw him at the league meetings, said that might have been the best. It was like the year later, the best Super Bowl ever, uh, it, that Eagles Super Bowl, because it was in fourth. Hell, the Patriots had over 500. They had close to 600 yards of offense, and they lost right. the game. So you can imagine how good the Eagles were, and we know what Nick Foles did. So that was an amazing game, back and forth, and it was just action throughout and it was unbelievable so that, that still is is really really special for me Howard that's oh, a special guest and I can't let the show end without talking a little bit about the NBA because the NBA was such a fantastic sport and now it's nothing but uh, I can never forget your dad your dad was always such a big part of the Philadelphia 76ers and either back of the Warriors the whole 
whole shebang, and you were a big basketball guy at that particular time. And I'll tell you, I can't watch the NBA anymore. It's it's a broken product. Uh, it's really not fun to watch. Uh, you watch the first few minutes and then the last few minutes, and the rest of it's just back and forth. Dunks, three-point shots. The game's not played, as Larry Brown used to say. It's not played the right way. Uh, it's just not a good game anymore. Uh, I, the guys are talented, but that doesn't mean it's a good game. It is really, really hard to watch an entire game. Uh, it's it's just not players. Players worry more about themselves than they do about their team. I mean, Golden State's a special team because they care about each other. I don't know that there's a lot of other teams nowadays that care about each other. Well, you'd like to hold uh, your good friend Simmons up as an ideal guy for the NBA, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, but, well, I, I know he kind of fooled a lot of a lot of people. Called him a generational player. He, he was he couldn't shoot. How could you play in the NBA and couldn't shoot? He was afraid. He's going to shoot. make a lot of money for doing nothing. Well, that's because the Sixers are stupid. Uh, and <laughs> right, you know. And, they made a lot of mistakes. James Harden, Father Time, I think is is winning this battle uh, with James Harden. Uh, you know, he signed for less money. I don't believe that, but I don't believe he signed for less money. I think the money's coming from somewhere. Uh, but uh, he's just not the same player as he used to be. Daryl Morey, uh, as a president and general manager, is a fraud. Uh, the head coach is a nice guy, uh, but he's not a good coach. Uh, the Doc Rivers, will, for those folks that aren't uh, NBA fans, he's referring to. Well, I call him Glenn Rivers. There's only one Doc in Philadelphia, right. and that's what you're serving. Uh, that's so, right. Uh, but they'll never win a championship with that core of players. Never. Uh, it's just Embiid is the woe-is-me guy. He's very talented, but the game's not played at the center position anymore. You know, you, you have centers. Hey, it's great if the center can shoot. Uh, but I'd take the guy from Denver over Embiid uh, because he plays every facet of the game well. One of the best pantry, passers in the NBA since Akeem Olajuwon, but you don't find many of those guys anymore. Very true. Well, the one thing about the NBA was uh, you're, you're exactly right. The athletes are more athletic, have more ability, can jump higher, run faster, do everything better. Uh, maybe not shoot better, but they can shoot as well, or maybe a little bit better because they shoot everything from three points now. You can't can't tell, but uh, the game stinks. I mean, you can't watch the game. No, it's a, it's a it's a really it's a broken product. It's not a good game to watch, and I don't Rocket. know how fans. The ratings were down too for the finals, so uh, I don't. They're not going to not going to be able to fix it because the players run the game, so it's not going right. to change. Howard, Rogers. I wanted to ask you about the Phillies. I mean, the last three games have been disasters. And uh, do you think that this is going to be like a repeat performance of the uh, El Foto, Foldo? I, I think they got to make the playoffs. I don't think the Brewers – the Brewers are too inconsistent. Uh, San Diego, up until the last few games, kind of packed it in after they found out about the Tatis. But they're a better team. Uh, I think they're a better team than the Phillies, but it'll make the playoffs. But what are they going to do in the playoffs? It, it's mm-hmm. just, uh, I look at a team that has a chance to go places. And I love when people say, well, anything can happen. Yeah. And the cow can jump over the moon too. So anything <laughs> <can happen. laughs> uh, 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 
they're they're just not they're they're a good team, but they're not a really good team. And they're what they they're, are. They're a middle of the pack team. That's what they are. That, that's exactly what they are. And they just uh, their lineup is inconsistent. Uh, they have some good players who aren't. Well, you know, Harper's a good player. Um, Schwarber is Dave Kingman. You guys remember Dave Kingman. Home oh, yeah. Strike- yeah. yeah. That's what most people don't remember, Dave Kingman. Home run or strikeout. That's all. I, I don't know that that in today's game, oh, if you don't run, you're okay, and you walk, oh, you're okay. Sitting 211. Uh, you know, I, I just – and people don't worry about batting averages anymore. Well, has, you have to figure it in there somewhere. But the, that's the, right. And Schwarber, Schwarber's done, I guess, what they've expected from him. Castellanos is, is mailing it in. And uh, yeah. JT. Ramuto, he's done a little bit better the last three weeks, uh, Howard. Yeah, I know, but he's still, eh, he's still just, he's still just okay. Big he's box. He, yeah, but he's right. also, he's also a mediocre right fielder. I, I, you know, I, all oh, the accolades that he got coming in and what he was going to do offensively. But even what he does, when you got Schwarber playing left field and you got him playing right field and center field, they had nobody for a while. I mean, you, you, as he said, the worst fielding team in the National League. Well, the problem was when Harper, and he won't play right field the rest of the year. He'll be a DH the rest of the year. When Harper, when Harper DHs, that means both of those guys have to play when they play for the most part. Right. And put out there, so that created that problem. But that's not what they—that's not the way they looked at it. But yeah, he's a—he's a below average defensive right fielder. Schwarber's a below average defensive left fielder. Uh, the Phillies have a below average defensive infield, although it's better without that stiff D.D. Gregorius. Uh, right, it, but center field isn't uh, any better, Howard. What's that? Center field's no better. No, no, it's not. Well, when you got the guy out there, Marsh who can play center field, and that's about it. He had a home run last right. night when it was nothing. Like, who cares? Uh, it's just guys throwing ball right down the middle of the plate. But, no, it, it's uh, – yeah, it's just they're not a good defensive team. JT Real Muto can throw out runners, but nobody steals anymore. So what difference does it make? You know, I, I don't even think people say, oh, he's the best catcher in baseball. No, he's not. Uh, no, he's not. He's not the best catcher. And he, he'll You're hit right. 270. He's going to have – I don't know that he'll have 18 home runs this year. Uh, it's just he doesn't hit with power. It's just they gave him too many years. It's okay if they sign him for three, but they sign him for five. So they have three more years right. after this. But, you know, it's you know, just they're good enough to make the playoffs, but that's about it. You know what's interesting? You know, watching the uh, the Mets Dodgers game, uh, and I, Darren Ruff was traded from San Francisco uh, to the Mets, and I think about Darren Ruff Howard with the Phillies when he was looked at as going to be a really uh, big home run hitter, and uh, didn't they move him to left field? Uh, was that when Hoskins came up? That uh, or was he already gone? Because I know he went to Japan to play, and then he came back. What was San Francisco? Yeah, but, I think he uh, might you have know, been I, gone. Yeah, I think he might. Was have he gone? gone? Yeah, I think gone. he was. With, but I always liked him, uh, you know, as a player, and he seemed to be a good guy in the clubhouse. Was he like that? Uh, you know, because you would see him quite a bit in his days oh, Darren with the Ruff. Phillies. Darren Ruff yeah. was, a re- was a really good guy. 
I mean, a really good guy. Yes, he yes he was. Uh, but they obviously had other people and other plans, and Dan Ruff turned into a nice player. I mean, I, I don't know that that would have changed the uh, uh, you know the th- things for the Phillies much, but he was a nice player. He did a nice job in San Francisco. But why did they why did they trade him? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't get it either. Else, yeah. Well, he played a lot of years overseas. Don't forget too. And, by the way, they're oh, in the did. bottom of the eighth inning right now, two eight and zero for the Mets, one three and zero for the Dodgers in the bottom of the eighth inning at City Field. And go ahead, Roger. Yeah, Braves are up three nothing in the bottom of the seventh. So it's you know it's it's going to be the uh, Mets and the Braves uh, down to the wire. You think the Braves can overtake the Mets, Howard? I think the. I- kind of interesting i think the mets are a little bit better i think the mets and the dodgers are the two best teams in the national league but um, i don't know what the schedules are for both those teams the braves are a really good team uh and the, and the mets are a really good team the lineup for the the, the pitching for the mets is probably a little bit better uh but mm-hmm. the, although the braves are really good but the braves lineup is better so it's uh i think they can overtake them i don't think they will Roger, the Mets are a uh, 1947 to 1955 team. They hit the ball to all fields. They move it around. They steal base once in a while. They hit a few home runs. They got good pitching. They're very interesting to watch. A great team to watch on television. Just the opposite well, of what the but, Philadelphia Phillies are. Well, uh, but and they both, the Braves and the uh, Mets, have uh, terrific managers. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they're uh, they're stuck. Yeah, well, you know, they've got great you, managers if you have players. I mean, don't forget you managed the well, ball for a long time. you got to have players. Well, as Howard, <laughs> though, Howard, you always say managers what uh, maybe make a difference in, what, five, six, six games five a eight, year, eight, right? Five, eight. Managers yeah. are, are irrelevant for the most part. It's really the players. If you have good pitching, you can go to sleep for six, seven innings. And then you're right. ma- and now, with the D, now with the DH, you don't even have to make those decisions anymore. That's true. Counting back to eighty percent of the game, and uh, we were talking the other—I forget who we were talking. Maybe been Larry Bow. He said ninety percent now. Not pitching is not eighty percent. Ninety percent of the game. If you don't have anybody to pitch the next day, <laughs> momentum doesn't mean anything. That's correct. Do you think the uh, the Flyers will be able to uh, turn it around yeah, with uh, uh, a Torch there as the coach? Are the are the Flyers still in the NHL? I didn't know if they stopped down to the to the AHL. Right. <laughs> they, you know the coaches. I mean, Tortorella. That's nice that they got him, but you can't make chicken salad out of you know what. And right. They're a bad, bad. It's a, it's sad what's happened to that organization. Ed Snyder's turning over in his grave. It's sad. They are really, really bad. So right there because know. we're out of time. Thank you so much for being with us. I tell you, it's always a lot of fun. Howard, you and I go way back, and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't appreciate more that you took time to come on with us for so long. Thank you so no much. All right, have a great night. Have a great Thanks, Howard. Howard, take care. God bless. All Congratulations. All right, That's you. it. We'll see you all next week. Thank you very much for your time. Frank, you're in control. Go to it. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, the men and women police and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please, please let them know you know they're there. 
they're trying to help you out. They, they're there for your – not everybody is a bad guy. These programs are dedicated to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcat, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Yaswick, Sergeant Thomas Pager, San Diego Officer Mike Handler, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, Sergeant Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Office, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Police Department, Chief Jimmy, no, I'm sorry, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Lieutenant Choice Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Sergeant Chris Levake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Anopka Crispin, Lakeland PD, Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County Police, Deputy Josh Meyer, Nassau County Sheriff's Department, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Artis Pope, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol, Chief Al Hogo, Longwood Key Police Department, and Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. <clears throat> Although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, and sometime we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. May the rain rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the right, <clears throat> rains fall softly on your fields with sunshine right there on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hallow of his hands. Good night, God bless, and have a great week.
1999. County dispatch in 1999. All units be advised, 1999 responded to his last emergency. And God rest his soul. We love you and we miss you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.